Thank you for checking out the Christian Faith Center podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you will not be met with shame, guilt, or condemnation. No matter what you've been through or what questions you might have, Christian Faith Center is a church where you will find the grace, mercy, and forgiveness Jesus gives to everyone. Our goal is to love people to life. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of excited about this new series that we're going to start. And this is what we're calling this is The Blessings of Abraham. I, don't, I want everybody in the house to say that this morning. The Blessings of Abraham. All right, we're going to have to work on this today. All right, let's try that again. The Blessings of Abraham. Let's try it again. All right. Say, and the reason why I want you to say this is because I want you to understand that there are so many blessings, especially the three blessings, one which we'll talk about this morning, that we need to receive this morning. It got really quiet. That we need to receive this morning because I think at this time, even right now, I think there's some of us this morning that are living in the curse when you need to be living in the blessings. You're living in the past. You're living, you're living your life and what it is that somebody spoke negatively over you this morning. But in Jesus' name, I want those walls to come down and I want you to look forward to what God has in store for you this morning. Are you with me this morning, church? We're going to go a little bit deeper this morning, but we're, we're going to shoot across, all across every single person here, including myself. I'm going to be preaching to myself this morning. But we need to understand blessings, that we need not to walk into the curse. I want us to turn to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. I'm even going to read out of the New King James Version, because I love this version. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That, I want you to highlight that, the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Man, I don't know if that that gives you hope, but that gives me hope that I can walk into blessings because of Jesus. And you have to understand something this morning, that 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 statement connects the two. What it's saying here, if you look through, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curse of what it is that we, we should have received, but because of the blood bought Christ on the cross, each and every one of us can walk in the freedom and can walk into the blessings that are from Abraham, but because of Jesus that are passed down to us this morning. But see, he didn't just die for us. He died as us. I want this, I want this to settle in a little bit. Yes, he died for your sins. Yes. But he also died for you. But he came down 100% man, 100% God. So that he could relate. So maybe you're here this morning and say, well, God, I, I, I don't know if you can relate. Somebody burned me. Somebody, somebody betrayed me. Jesus knows. Somebody hurt me. Somebody crucified me. Said Somebody denied me. Somebody, Jesus knows. See, that's what I love about our God, and that Jesus Christ is relatable. He understands. He knows what you're going through because he went through it. So when you come to him and when you cry out to him, understand that this morning, that he knows and he loves you. And he wants to speak to his people this morning. He's already gone through it. I, I want us to look at that, that verse. And chapter, the first word in that verse 14, the that, it connects the two. Because I don't know about you, but if Jesus died for something, I want to know it. I want to walk into it. If, if he laid his own, his, his own self down and he, he followed the will of his Father to be crucified on the cross for each and every one of us, even those that are not here today, I want to know why. 
And I want to strive. And when I know that God calls me to something, and he calls me to serve, and he calls me to do something, that there's passion behind that, and there's a purpose behind that. It's not for my comfort, but it's for growth. It's to reach people, to make disciples of men. It didn't say to make disciples on the couch watching Netflix. I'm just saying, church, you can't do a whole lot sitting on the couch. I love the couch, and I love Netflix, and I love coffee. I do. But if that's where it stops, if that's your impact in life, then you're not making an impact, if we're going to be honest. It's outside these walls. It's in the coffee shops. It's in the Walmart. Praise God, I'll pray for you. And you walk into Walmart. But it's everywhere that you go. You should be reaching people. You don't need to, to, to pound the Bible down in front of them. You just need to love on them. And you need to let them know that source of love comes from Jesus. So people can be changed. People can be set free this morning. But this is powerful because if he died for something, we need to start walking in it. And if you hear nothing that I say this morning, that hear this, that we need to start moving. We need to start walking this morning in what God has called you. Pastor Eric, Pastor Dan, staff, Pastor Kent, he can't, we can't do it on our own. We need the people to engage. We need the people to plug in. We need the people to move forward to reach the city for the glory of God. Can I get an amen? But we need to move. Before I go any further, I, I want to pray. Can we do that this morning? I want our hearts to be prepared this morning. Father, thank you. Father, I set myself aside this morning, my flesh. God, would you speak through me? Would you anoint the words that come out my mouth? Because people came here to hear you and not me. Lord, would you strip down walls right now? Would you prepare our hearts? Would you prepare our souls and our minds this morning to receive your truth, your way, your word this morning? Would people be set free this morning? Would they be delivered this morning in Jesus' mighty name? And everyone said, amen. All right, the scripture that I'm really going to kind of hang my hat on this morning is found in Genesis. Genesis chapter 14, starting in verse 18, going through 20. I'm going to read out the New Living Translation. It says, And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and a priest of God Most High, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who has defeated your enemies for you. Isn't that just amazing? I want to pause there for a minute. That whatever you're going through right now, I want you to understand that God has already prepared a place before your enemies. And he has already defeated your enemies for you. There's nothing that you have to do on your own accord. But if you lean on him this morning, he will defeat your enemies in Jesus' name. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. I want us to look at that at the end of that verse real quickly. Abraham tithed. We don't understand. We don't know particularly where he learned how to do this, where he was taught the principle. But, but to be a covenant believer, you must learn how to tithe. I heard it this way. If you can't even give God 10%, how are you going to be able to change and give God the rest of the 90? God can do more with your 10% than you could do with all 100%. I hear people all the time, Lord, I give you everything. I sacrifice my time. I sacrifice my body, my, my energy. But do you give? You're thinking, oh, man, I just brought somebody new into church, and he's already going into tithing. They ain't ever coming back. It, this is not a tithing message. But what I'm telling you is there is a connection here. We say that we sacrifice and we give everything to God. There's a reason the Scripture says what it says. 
where your treasure is, your heart is there as well. Because God knows, whatever reason, human nature, human, we want to hang on to things. And he's saying, just let them go, because there's so much more I can do for my kingdom. If you would just live freely with your hands like this, your resources, your money, your time, whatever it is. Get really quiet in here. I guess I'll move on. But maybe, just maybe, you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, Pastor Eric, I I feel like I've come to an impasse. I've come to this place that I want to receive blessings. And God, what is holding me back? But oftentimes we don't look at the mirror. We want to blame the enemy. We give the enemy too much credit. I'm just going to be real with you this morning. We give the devil too much credit. Sometimes we need to look at ourselves like, God, what am I doing to hold you back? What am I, who am I not forgiving? Who am I not letting go of? Who, who am I not pouring into? Why am I not being mentored? What is it? Am I the stumbling block? Could you please reveal that to me in Jesus' name? But sometimes we got to get nitty-gritty with ourselves and be real with ourselves. If you're not going to be real with anybody else, man, be, be real with yourself. Be real with your God. Like that song you say, we don't want to be, he doesn't need perfection. He just wants you to come to him as you are. But I guarantee you, when you experience and you come face to face with the Lord, your life will never, ever, ever be the same. Because that's my God. And if you don't know what tithing is about, I'll leave it at this. If you don't know what it's about, ask. What is tithing? What's the purpose behind it? But I'm telling you, because we're going to read again another scripture that points right to it. There's obviously a connection here. If it's in the scripture, it's there for a reason. But the the scripture has the blessing of Abraham in it that God wants us to walk in. It's not for thousands of years ago. It's not for just the New Testament. It is for us, the church today, the acts of today. This is for us. We need to be able to walk in it and stop walking into the curse. Because it was paid with an ultimate price. And that was the blood of Jesus. But I want us just for a minute to look at this mystery man, Melchizedek. I got that name right. I practiced that. I want us to look in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1 through 3. It says, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also priest of God Most High. When Abram was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Then Abraham took a tenth, there it is again, took a tenth of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek, I want you to catch this, means king of justice. And king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any other of his ancestors. No beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the son of God. That's crazy. No record of this dude. Where did this guy come up from? Melchizedek, I want, in a real way, I want you to understand this, represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus walked on earth. Yes, we know that in the New Testament. But he also walked in several different forms. Melchizedek is one of these very forms. The, in the, theology, we, we, we talk about, the, I think they call them the, theopo, theophonies. I'll get that right. Theophonies, which is a way that God wants to reveal himself to man. You get that this morning? We're going to get to go a little bit deeper this morning. But I want us to look at that verse 3. There is no, rec- no record of this dude. I don't think it's coincidence that for some reason in this pivotal moment in time in history that God decides to reveal himself in, in, in this way to Abraham. 
No record. It's crazy. God revealing himself. The king of Salem, which means king of peace. That sounds familiar. Also known as the king of peace. Jesus is called the prince of peace. Coincidence? I don't think so. God wanted to reveal himself in this time, in a time such as this. Maybe he wants to reveal something to you this morning. He's been speaking something. He's been knocking on the door. Are you going to open it this morning? That's for someone this morning. Abraham also made a covenant with the Lord. Melchizedek brings out wine and bread to Abraham. Both of these are always symbolic of a covenant meal. Man, do I love food. Man, I love food. I, I don't think it's a love language, but I really need to think they need to go back to that book and add that. But, but it, so many great things happen around food. People gather in the kitchen, right? People gather around food. They gather around coffee. And, and it's not, this is not an old idea. But see, this is why we observe communion with both wine, juice, because we don't want people getting drunk at church, and also bread. Because we want to have a covenant with one another. But did you know the communion is common union? You break it down, it's common union. Common union within the body. Common union with Christ. Sitting at the table with Christ as a, as a unity body. Common union. This is why we observe communion. But it also creates... A union between us and the promises of God. It's a remembrance. Every time you take communion, man, if you take it every day, that's awesome. I don't think you could take it enough. Just coming before the Lord and saying, Lord, I I remember what you did. I remember your sacrifice. And I stand here until you come again. And I remember. And we do that as a family. But around food. Mmm, I love food. But we have a relationship with our God and all that he has promised us. But it comes from a place of communion, common union with one another. There's something powerful when we can all come together as a family and sit at the table together and just break bread and share the goodness of God in our lives. The ways, the the but God moments in our life. The the, the love and, oh, did you hear about so-and-so, man, they just... They just accepted Christ. There's something special about being around the kitchen table and around other people. But see, we see Abraham making the covenant with Melchizedek, but also in return, Melchizedek blesses Abraham. See, the blessing pronounced over him really breaks down into three different parts. And I want you to write these down. This is going to be kind of the the, the sermon series that we go through over the next couple weeks. The first one is... Elevation, which is the one that we're going to talk about today. Elevation. The next one is possession. And the the, the third one is dominion. See, we need to understand something that here in the city of Caldwell, God has elevated the church to reach a city, to reach community after community. He's given us possession of it. He's given us dominion in it. But it does absolutely no good if we do not walk in it. Can I get an amen this morning? To sit on the couch and say, God, I see that vision. Man, that looks good. I see that. I I see what you see. And and I see you reaching. But it takes people to do it. If we sit here and hurrah and have great worship, which is amazing. Good preaching, which I hope you think. and, And great everything else. That's great. But if it doesn't transcend out these walls, it's all for nothing. People need to come in here and experience Jesus, yes, but we need to go outside these walls and share the love of Christ in everything that we do, everything that we say, and everywhere that we go. 
But elevation promises to us through the death of Jesus Christ. It's time to get out of the curse. It's time to get out of the shackles you've been walking in. But again, those shackles might be off, but you still got to step out of them. You might be in a prison, but you still got to walk out of the prison. You might be in an addiction. It might set you free, but it's time to move and it's time to walk out of that in Jesus' name. But the first blessing that we're talking about is elevation. We see it in Genesis chapter 14, verse 19 through 20. It says, Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of the heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. You're reading this, and you, you look at the scriptures like, what are you talking about? Elevation. How do you get elevation out of that? I'll show you. You ready? So, when God called Abraham, he was an idolater. I don't know if you knew that. Worship all kinds of things. Animals, creepy crawly things, statues, the moon, all kinds of craziness. Worship the moon God. But God called him out of Ur, which is modern day Iraq today. What is he calling you out of something? Maybe he's calling you out of the desert this morning in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter where you came from. We see his background. We see what he was worshiping. But yet God called him anyway. The rabbis in the Middle East teach that Abraham was an idolatry, worshiped the moon god. But they also say that Sarah was a virgin used in the worship. And that they were sterilizing these women. No wonder Sarah was looking at God like, you must be kidding, I'm going to have a child. We put it in context. You've got to be joking me, God. But, but did you ever have one of those moments that, where, where you're like, God, absolutely not. I don't see how I'm getting out of this debt. I don't see how I'm getting out of this habitual circle of prison time. I don't see how I'm getting out of this addiction. But God. You ever have one of those moments? But God showed up. It's like, oh, everything looks terrible. I'm in the valley. It looks awful. But God showed up. I was in this. I was worshiping this. I was addicted to this. But God showed up for me. Abraham had a but God moment. Maybe it's time that we as a church have a but God moment in our life. A but God moment in your finances. A but God moment in your, in your marriage, in your relationship. A but God moment for these youth and young adult generation to rise up and to share those but God moments. And to create, and just to bring revival into each city. I'm believing that in Jesus' name. That There's no way. God, there is no way this is going to happen. But then God shows up. This couple, this was of all the people he could have chosen, he chose them. You ever feel that way? God, of all the people you could have chose, seriously, this dude right here, you, me, really? But God sees something so unique, something so special in you, that he's willing to send his son to die for you. And you, and you. Because he wants to see the kingdom advance. He, want us, he wants us to make disciples of men. He wants us to, to move forward, reaching city after city after city. Boise is just the start. Caldwell and Nampa and Oroville are just the start. He wants to reach city after city. And he wants to use his church, which is his people, to do it. Not institutions, not a building, not a specific personality, not a specific pastor. He wants to use his church, his people. And all of hell will not come against it. 
But I want us to look at how God identified himself with El Elyon, which means God most high. See, you've got to understand that anytime he puts an L in front of it, he's identifying himself. He's attaching himself to it, saying, I am the most high. I know what you worshipped. I know the struggle you're going through. But I am higher than all of that. I am above all of that. I can bring you out of that. And see, I love that perspective because if he's above everything, that means he can pull you out of anything. He could pull you out of that addiction, that mud, that mire. Maybe you're not addicted. Maybe you're doing just fine, but you're just trudging in the mud. He's reaching his hand out and saying, I am El Elyon. I could pull you out. If you would call upon my name, I am the God most high. I won't perish. I won't forsaken you. I'm not going anywhere because I am the great I am, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is here for each and every one of us this morning. Are you with me this morning, church? But we look at this, it literally means elevated. God and the elevator. So I get this visual image of an elevator going up. But when you enter into a relationship, I'm going to make a connection. You enter a relationship, you're inside. You're surrounded by his presence. And you're on the bottom floor, and there's only one way for you to go up. And that's to elevate you out of those situations, to elevate you out of those circumstances, to elevate you out of that addiction, to elevate you into ministry, to reach more people. Because there's so much more potential in each and every one of you than you realize. I don't care if you're 5. I don't care if you're 55. I don't care if you're 105. If you still got air in your lungs and you still got a heartbeat, there is something inside you that God wants to get out of you in Jesus' name. But we got to walk it out. Man, it's getting hot up in here. But literally taking you upward. The Hebrew means to ascend, to go up, to lift up. I love that, uh, that analogy that my wife gave with the birds. But we need to be church that, that, that are lifting people up. Jesus is bringing us up, but we need to bring other people with us. We need to be flapping our wings and say, come on with me. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to pour into you. Lifting the church, lifting the people up in the community that don't know Jesus yet. But when you come into a relationship with the elevated God, you can't stay who you are. You can't stay where you are. You can't stay on the couch because you're so filled with passion and so filled with the Holy Spirit that you, you, you want to continue to move forward and you want to see people one for Christ and you want to city, city after city after city with revival stretching across the land. But it takes us to move. It's time to move. Church, individuals, it's time to move. See, I look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, and it says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. I, I want to make no mistake about this. God raised us up. Not man, not circumstances, not success, not the things of the world, but God and God alone. I look at Psalm 40, chapter 2. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He has set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. I don't know if nothing gives you hope. This scripture should give you hope. It doesn't matter what you're drudging through. It doesn't matter the mire, the muck, the the yuck that you're in. But he's saying if you trust in him and you lean to him, he will take you out of that situation, take you out of that addiction, and set you on firm ground. You need level ground this morning. You need balance this morning. You need a foundation. You need to turn to Jesus, baby, because he will take you out of that stuff and that yuck and put you right on the foundation in Jesus name Psalm 121 verse 1 I lift my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from 
We should never, and I love what Pastor Dan was saying, our focus dictates so much of our life, dictates our choices, dictates our passion, dictates our generosity, dictates our love. Where is your focus? When somebody is full of hate and somebody is full of anger, I know their focus is not on Jesus because it was, they they wouldn't be in the flesh, but they would be in the spirit. It's time for the church to be in the spirit this morning and not be in the flesh. And when we see something, we don't judge somebody and say, oh, I don't know, your sin or your, your stuff, that looks. Instead, why don't we engage with them and say, hey, what it is can I help you with this morning? Can I pray for you? Can I put hands on you? Can I give to you? What can I do to help to elevate you and to bring you up? But we must always keep our focus on him. But when you begin a relationship with Jesus, you have no choice. It's not an option. You could sit on the elevator and not do anything, but the elevator is still going to move. God is still going to move in your life. Even if you sit on the couch and do nothing, he's still going to try to give you the unction. He's still going to try to move you to do something, to put a fire under you. Say, come on, I've called you to something. It's time to go. But it doesn't matter how lost or broken, broke or a joke you are makes no difference. You look at the Old and the New Testament. It's filled with broken people, lost people, joke people, hypocrites, murderers, stutterers. It's filled with all kinds of people, but yet God still chose them. But a but God moment showed up in their life. But when he calls you, you get elevated. When he calls you, it doesn't matter what opportunity. It doesn't matter if, my, if, if pastoral says, that, hey, we see something in you. You need to recognize it's not Pastor Eric. It's not Pastor anybody. But it is God elevating. He just put something in our hearts and our spirits that you need to propel that person. You need to fan your wings under that person. You need to mentor that person and lift them up. But we as a church need to be doing that, need to be grabbing a hold of somebody and doing that this morning. He will elevate you out of relationships, bad situations, addictions. Man, he'll elevate you out of all kinds of crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. If you don't believe so, come talk to me. Man, I got some stories on the but God moments when he showed up in my life and other people's lives. And how he elevated out of the most dire, the most horrific situations. And they have reaching thousands of people because simply they were obedient to what God said. Just to hear what God said is not enough. You got to move. God, I, I hear this, but it, you need to go build this ark. The ark ain't going to build itself. He could have done it himself, but he chose man to participate. He chose man to participate. But I see God trying to elevate people all the time. This drives me crazy, if I could be honest with you. I see potential, but more importantly, God sees potential. But he's trying to elevate people out of their situation. He's trying to elevate them in ministry, but they pump the brakes. Because they're afraid and they don't understand and they they see what other people are walking in. Oh man, how can you sacrifice that? How can you do this? How do you do it? Jesus, that's how we do it. We lean on him for everything. Our our, our provision, we lean on him in, in our time, first thing in the morning. But don't hold on to people, things, places, relationships, jobs that God is trying to elevate you out of. Maybe you're struggling this morning and say, man, I'm still with this friend. And I'm like, it's kind of like a mosquito relationship. They're sucking the life out of me. Or, or, or maybe it's this job that just round and round and round we go. Maybe, just maybe, here's a thought. God's trying to speak to you and trying to release you of something. But you're holding on so tight 
that as it's going, you're being dragged with it. Your boss does not have the final say. Your doctor does not have the final say. My God has the final say. But we have got to release. We have got to let go. But also, don't leave what God has elevated you to because you don't see opportunities in front of you. Oftentimes, I feel, God, I feel called to this place. I'm going to come here and cut pies. I'm going to serve. I'm going to clean toilets. And then when you do, you kind of get frustrated. Like, okay, I'm just, I'm still cutting pies. It's been three days. Come on, God, I thought we were going with this. Where are we going? But you got to stay planted for a long enough time for those roots to set so God can work in your life. Come on. But there is a difference between a good opportunity and a God opportunity. You can write that down. That's okay. There's a difference between a good opportunity and a God opportunity. Because a, a, a good opportunity... Is something that might look so good, so successful, maybe on the path that you thought you wanted to be on. It looks so tempting. And yeah, it could be even moral. Yes, it could be even just. Yes, it could be even noble. But it's not a God opportunity because man is the one that's giving it to you. See, there's a difference when God provides an opportunity than when, when man provides an opportunity. See, I, I want to share this story about elevation in my life. I worked in the jail, and then prior to that, I was in the military trying to go for emergency management, all kinds of cool, crazy stuff. And, man, it was a noble deed. I was going to save lives. I was going to rescue cities. It was going to be amazing. But it wasn't God's will, so it was not good. Even though a good opportunity that would have led to success in my mind, but now as I look back on it, I, I see that the destruction that laid ahead of me, because it was not God's will, it would have led into pride. It would have led into so much wealth and so much consuming of me, building and fanning myself. That's another word. You should be fanning other people and not yourself. We should be building up other people and not yourself. Other people will build you up. But, man, we need to start building other people up, fanning the flame and saying, I see this in you. In Jesus' name, it's time to move. But a good opportunity and a God opportunity are two very, very, very different things. You can't go upwards until you shed the things that are holding you down. One of the biggest things I think that holds us down as a church is forgiveness. Because for some reason outside these walls and maybe even in them, that we attach forgiveness to the other person. So, well, if I forgive that person, if I forgive my daddy, if I forgive my mom for the hurt in my life, that, that washes her free and clear of everything that she did. But see, the, it, it's the opposite. The forgiveness is not for them, it's for you. When you forgive somebody and you truly forgive them, it doesn't matter how bad or what it was, It sets you free from the bondage. It sets you free from the tie. It releases you so you can move and do what God wants to do in your life. But it's going to be difficult when you're hanging on to unforgiveness. Well, that person, I can never forgive that person for what they did. Sure you can. It's a choice. I'll take it a step further. Maybe someone here this morning needs to forgive God. I'm going to let that settle in because that felt really heavy. Maybe there was a moment in your life. Maybe you were sitting on the side of a, a bed as somebody was passing. Or maybe, or maybe just maybe you were waiting on God for something and you feel like he didn't show up. A lot of times, as a church people, we hang on to unforgiveness of God. Like we don't want to have that talk like it's the, you know, the, the people, the people. But forgiveness of God is important. 
because you're holding something. You're holding hatred. You're, you're not listening. You're not in tune. It, you, you, it's clouding what God is trying to speak to you this morning. So maybe if that's you this morning, I just want to release you. Forgive God for, for the appearance of not showing up because I can assure you God was there. God didn't go anywhere. He was with you. He was comforting you. He was comforting that person. I've been on the side of the bed when somebody I didn't even know was passing away. I was like, God, I know you can heal. Why don't you heal? And then I had to turn around and say, God, forgive me. Your will, not mine. I still trust you. Does my God still heal? Absolutely. Is my God still going to heal today? Absolutely. I don't know. I don't understand sometimes why he does and why he doesn't. But we need not to hold a grudge against God. We need to forgive. Are you hanging on to that job? Let it go. They need you more than you need them. Just saying. Hanging on to that negative word spoken over you, unhealthy relationship, church friends, it's time to be free of all this. It's time to be set free. I just feel like that somebody here this morning is in a place where they don't want to let go this morning. They like that job. They like that comfort. They like that finances coming in. They like what their bank account comes in. But God is saying, if you would just lay it down, you would have a but God moment in your life. You want a but God moment in your life? Get on your knees before him and ask him, what am I doing to hold back your will? What am I doing to hold back your purpose in my life? But God took me personally from a road to destruction to making a difference for his kingdom. Yeah, I would have done a lot of good things. But at the end of the day, it wouldn't be worth it because not one person would have been one for Christ. It, it's so serious to me, but it's, even now, just thinking about it, it's overwhelming that God could take a wretch like me, broken, messed up, prideful, successful in the world. For the world's eyes, I'd look like the, the best thing since sliced bread, but I was more broken than anybody, judging people. But he took that person, he said, if, I, if you would just come to me and extend your hand to me, I will pull you out of that mess. I will pull you out of that mire. And I, not just going to pull you out of it, but he's going to set you on a foundation. He's going to set you on level ground this morning. But when you have Jesus, you have an overcoming life. That's something to be excited about. You have an overcoming life, and you overcome obstacles. Every time I see an obstacle on my life now, I'm like, step away, Satan. And I just that much faith because I know God is going to move. It doesn't matter what's in front of me. God's already in my tomorrow. He already sees my future. He already knows what I'm walking in. You don't think he's prepared a way for me to, to maneuver around those obstacles? Absolutely he has. And it happens over time. Instead of freaking out, I, I, I pray. My coffee, don't, my coffee machine doesn't work. I have a, I have a lapse of judgment, and, and I, I flip out for about three seconds, and then I come before the Lord and say, Lord, let this coffee machine work. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But the point I'm making is, Overcoming set free life. You're free. Each and every one of us that call upon his name are free this morning. Why aren't we living that way? Why are we walking around like prisoners? And what drives me crazy sometimes about the church is we're always on defense. You can only play defense so long. You see football, 
even as good as the, the New England Patriots are, the defense will be worn out if they're on the field too long. If we're on the field and we're playing defense too much, we will be broken. We will be worn down. It is time that we play a proactive role and start moving and start playing offense for the body of Christ. Are you with me this morning, church? Okay, it's really quiet in here. Making me nervous. But we have to move. An elevated life. There's elevation coming to each and every one of your lives. I believe that. I really believe that. But of the first three blessings, elevation is so important to each and every one of our lives. And, and I'm going to close. I'm going to land the plane here. We can have the keyboardist. Thanks. How many of you here need that but God moment? How many of you here this morning need to go to the next level? Whatever that looks like. Maybe it's in your job. Maybe it's in your ministry. Maybe it's in your career. Maybe if it's just simply a step forward. I told you I was going to mention this, but those connect cards, they're not just shiny pieces of paper that we like information, but there's a way to connect to you. We have growth track starting today, matter of fact, for second service. If you want to plug into a ministry and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Eric, you're right. It's time for me to move into a ministry. It's time for me to step up and do something. Growth track is a beautiful place to start, and I'm telling you, four weeks, worthwhile your time. Beginning of second service. Plugging in small groups. But elevation is available. But it doesn't do any good just to hear. But we have to do. We have to move. You're called to a person. Man, you better sacrifice everything you can. You do whatever that person needs. If God has called you to a place, man, you sacrifice. You give your time. You, you paint the walls. You clean the toilets. You do whatever it takes to see God's mission fulfilled you're called to serve man you better be serving I don't ever want to hear well I don't want to clean toilets or cut pies because we should never be thinking that we're in this place of we're above anyone God is above us but we need to be coming together serving where there's a need. Like I, I'm, I'm called to Caldwell. I'm called to Pastor Dan and youth. I'm called to Pastor Kent. I'm called to lead worship. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to this. What are you doing about it? Are you stepping in? Are you moving? Are you reaching out? Pastor Dan, hey, I want to do youth. What do I need to do? I guarantee you there's opportunities available for you in our youth department, in our young adults department, if you would just ask. And maybe he'll come up to you. But don't don't shy away from it. If you get in that tug this morning, I would encourage you to talk to Pastor Dan. But we only have one life. we got to make it count. I don't want to waste my time watching Netflix, playing games, sitting on the couch, and not making a difference, and not reaching people, and not sharing the gospel for this entire city to see. I look out in these chairs, and I still see 50,000 people who are not here yet. Multiple campuses, multiple locations, more and more people receiving Christ, baptized in water, baptisms of the Holy Spirit, people being delivered, people being freed, people being healed everywhere. But it takes us to move. Sure, an opportunity may be available, but always remember that God brings that elevation, not man. Never elevate people above God. But no one has the final say other than El Elyon, Most High. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, as I close the service this morning.
if that's you this morning, if you're if you're sitting here and you're listening to me speak this morning, you got in this heart, just this tug in your heart that says, God, I need El Elyon. I need the most high God in my situation. I need him in my life. I don't even know him, but I know that I need him. I need a savior this morning. Or maybe you knew him and you've You've walked away from it because of life circumstances and hurt and pain. If that's you this morning, I want to encourage you with every every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking. This is just a personal For more information about Christian Faith Center, please visit experiencecfc.com. Thank you for listening.